He loves you. He loves you. He loves me. And uh, He loves you so much that He doesn't want you to stay the same. Praise God. Can God use me? That is a big question. And uh, if you have the ability to say, praise God, He can use you. And there's, there's, there's a few things in life that, that are absolutely awesome, and that is being uh, used of God. Can God use me? There are things in, in life that will help you. And uh, we have the Great Commission. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. True discipleship requires a total commitment without a distraction or a compromise. Without distraction or compromise. To go to all nations, to teach them how to know Jesus. Go to all nations, teach them how to know Jesus, but also then to live for Jesus. Teach them that Christ must be the center, the very center of their life. Can God use me? He can if you will seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. That is one of the greatest keys of all time, is seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We get involved in, in life and we want to get a good job. We want to get a house. We're going to get a nice car. We want this. We want that. But guess what? God already knows that you have need of all that stuff. So if you're praying about the job, you're praying about the car, you're praying about the house, you're, you're getting the cart before the horse. You need to pray about Jesus. You need to pray about God. I'm seeking the kingdom of God first and his righteousness. So you put the word of God first. You put your time with God first. And when you do, then he's going to affect your mind process to help you pick the house that's going to bring glory and honor to him, to pick the friends that's going to bring glory and honor to him, to pick the job that's going to bring glory and honor to him. And the key is, is to bringing glory and honor to him. Can God use me? He can if you will let him and if you will enter into his presence just to seek the kingdom of God. God, who do you want me to marry in the years to come? For those that are younger ages, it's important that you begin to say, God, prepare me for the person you want me to marry and prepare that person for me as well. We're to recognize the fact that we want the will of God in our lives. If we want God to use us, we want God's will to be in our life. And we're willing to... Do anything that it takes to be in the will of God. We'll pay any price to make the will of God be predominant in our life. There will come a time when you uh, experience God and you say, God, I can, can you use me? He'll say, I can use you if you'll make this your predominant guide. If you'll take the word of God and love it. Take the word of God and begin to consume it. Make it an everyday experience, not a Sunday morning Oh, let's pick and choose, but a hook, line, and sinker. Take the Word of God, hook, line, and sinker. The Word of God will empower you. The Word of God will set you free from sin. The Word of God will set your path straight. The Word of God will be the source and supply of everything you'll ever need in life. And, and God will help you make good choices as you make the Word of God number one book in your library. 
Not something that sets on the shelf, but something that sets in your heart. Amen? The Word of God set in your heart. You see, can God use me? Yes, He can use you if you have a servant's heart. What is a Christian supposed to be? Christian is supposed to be Christ-like. Well, what did Christ do when He came to this earth? He said, I did not come to be served. Christ's statement. He said, I did not come to this earth to be served. Now, all of you are probably going to make a restaurant the next couple weeks because it's that time of year. Okay? And you go to the restaurant and you go there because you want to be served. I've yet find anybody go to the restaurant, pay, pay, pay their bill, and say, can I just wash dishes? I just really want to wash dishes. I've not seen anybody say, I... I come to this restaurant to eat, and then I want to carry my dirty dishes back to the kitchen, and I want to wash them myself. I, I just don't find people doing that. But you go to a restaurant, you're willing to pay the bill, you're willing to give a good tip, and by the way, if you're a Christian, and you can't afford the tip, guess what? You can't afford to eat out. Ouch. Waitresses dislike Sundays of any day of the week. You say, well, that's because they're away from family. No, because of cheap Christians. Don't be cheap. Recognize that if you have to back off what you're getting off the menu for the price, you've got to get a smaller portion or less of a meal so you have money to tip that waitress because that's what she's there for is to get a tip. She's not there just to serve you, but if she serves you well, you can give her a better tip. But the bottom line is is that you need to be fair with those that treat you good. And those who don't treat you very good, you still need to show the love of God to them and give them a good tip. Compliment them on something they've done that's good. Anybody can gripe, murmur, and complain. Anybody. But we are the body of Christ. We need to set the example. And we must have a servant's heart. Jesus said, I, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve. But he gave his life as service. He came to serve. And so we have the concept that we must be servants. So can God use me? Yes, if you have a servant's heart. The other thing is, is that we, sometimes we let pride get in the way. And, and we have to recognize, can God use me? Yes, God can use you if you're willing to surrender. If you're willing to surrender. Sometimes we get so involved in, in our confidence in the flesh. I am really good at this. I can do this. I've, I've, you know, and so pride gets in the way of us really being what God wants us to be. So is our confidence in the flesh, is our confidence in the Lord. In order for God to use you, you need to get your confidence in Him and out of your flesh. No confidence in the flesh, because we know the flesh will always take us down. Another area is my spirit. My spirit. What's, what's in your spirit? My spirit. We're into a, a society right now that 
continuous changes very rapidly, but it's about independent spirit. I don't need anybody else. I don't need anything else. I, I'm, I'm self-sufficient. I don't need any help. I, I, I don't need anything else. And, and we cannot have an independent spirit and expect God to use us. What's in our spirit? How do we, how do we live our life? What is deep in our spirit? Some people say, it's either my way or the highway. I'll never forget George Sturgeon. George had a very nice quality basketball. Both of his parents worked, and uh, George would bring his basketball around the gang, and, and we would play basketball until somebody fouled him or somebody mistreated him, and he just simply said, well, I'm taking my ball and go home. And that's what George would do to the dismay of the rest of us as we watched him take his ball and go home because none of us had a ball. And so when he brought the ball, we could play basketball. When he took the ball home, guess what? We weren't playing basketball any longer. So it was all about him. It was all about him being blessed and, and everybody looking out after him. But if he felt like he was getting chided in some way, he'd just leave. We we must recognize that when we are willing to let God and wanting God to work in our lives, we have to be willing to give up our own self. If it's not my way, then I'm not going to do it at all. If we're going to work for God, we have to realize it is a team effort. We've just experienced the Super Bowl. My goodness, Kansas City has a wonderful, wonderful rep on the Super Bowl. But there was, there was one quality that, that is really outstanding, and that is the quarterback always says, I'm not the only person on the team. I, I, I'm grateful for that. And it takes everyone... It takes everyone. The person sitting on the bench takes them because they help during the practice season. They are there in case they have to go play. But it takes the team to make it all happen. And, and it can't be just one person. It has to be a teamwork. And so can God use me? Yes. As long as you realize that you are a part of God's team, in not trying to showboat your own self. People are God's instruments to communicate to us. God uses other people. Some, some say, well, if God hasn't spoke to my heart, then I'm not going to do it. Well, have you been listening? God speaks to your heart every day when you read the Word. God speaks to your heart through other pastors and other ministers and missionaries. We had a great service last Sunday morning. Uh, if you go to the webpage, you can pull, the, pull it up on the... On the uh, podcast. It is just awesome to, to challenge a missionary, to bring a challenging message, and he did. And it was about surrendering our lives and not being involved in, in the worship of idolatry in worshiping other things. So what is in my spirit? People must recognize that we are instruments of God's love. God is looking for people who will play on the team and not be selfish. 
Not be selfish. Are, are you truly loving God? Love for people. Love for people. What's it mean to love people? How do we go about loving people? Well, we do kind things for them. We speak to them. But the Word of God speaks to us about love for people. God can use you if you have a love for people. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Where does love come from? It comes from, say it with me, God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Do you notice something here? It's talking about God a lot. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love doesn't know God. So it takes a little while to get that all together when you realize what's going on. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. God is love. This is how God has shown His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. Now that's love. God's love. His one and only Son He sent that we might live through Jesus. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The love of God, how He poured out His Son's life for us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. Allowing God to live in us. Can God really use me? Yes. As you recognize the fact that God is love and God lives in me and so therefore I am a loving person. I will love others. We know that we live in Him and He in us because He has given us His Spirit. The manifestation of God's Spirit in us is proof that God loves us and furthermore that we love him. So it's finally important that you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life and speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. The Holy Spirit infilling is so important. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. The Savior of the world. Missionaries going all over the face of the earth. Different cultures, different foods, different everything. And God has sent the Savior, His Savior, the Son, the Savior of the world. We are to take the message to all nations. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him and He in God. Just ask, well, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? What's it say here? If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Is that a hard question? Do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Say it with me. Do you believe, say it, do you believe that Jesus... Praise God. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And we know and rely on 
the love God has for us. God is love. God, how many times does it say this? It's time and time again. When Scripture repeats phrases, there's a reason for that. God knows how your mind works. And the more you hear a certain phrase, the more it's apt to stay in your mind. And God is wanting us to understand that He truly loves us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like Him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. Why do we love? Because God first loved us. We couldn't love Him enough. He loved us first. He loved us first. We love Him because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, I love God. But then he has a problem about hating his brother. He's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this commandment, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The power of love breaks down every wall of division and strife. God loves us with a compassionate love. And we say that his love dwells within us. Then we must practice that love with mankind. Even with people who do not agree with us. We must love. We must love. Those who do not agree with us. We must love those who are indifferent to the things of God. We must love. Kind deeds go a long way in proving that we love. So can God use us? He absolutely can, as we recognize that God is love. And when God lives in us, we put Him first. When God lives in us and the love of God is there, then we can love others. You see, in John it reads, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have, say it with me, love for one another. So it's all about knowing that God loves us. In our state of sin, He loved us. He hated our sin, but He loved us. And He's drawn us to a relationship now, if, if we have experienced the love of God and the love of God is within us, then we are His poster kids. And we need to go out and love others. Another thing that is very important is that we recognize bitterness. Because bitterness will dry out love. Bitterness will destroy love. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You cannot have bitterness and be what God wants you to be. You cannot work for God with a spirit of bitterness. Bitterness comes as a result of a real or a supposed ill treatment. 
You become bitter because somebody mistreated you or you think they mistreated you and it doesn't matter if it's just something of your imagination or if it's a real event. Bitterness can have can destroy you. I will never allow another person to ruin my life by making me hate him. I'm not going to do it. I don't care what another person has said to me. I don't care what they've done to me. I don't care what, what kind of insults they've, they've uh, applied to my life. I am not going to allow bitterness and hatred control my life. They are in control of your life if you let them. They are in control of your life. And bitterness has no place in the Christian's heart. But Christians struggle with bitterness. Well, pastor, you just don't know what what they've done to me. It was so awful, pastor, I can't forgive them. What are you going to do with that statement? If you can't forgive them, then you're in real trouble. But pastor, it was just horrible. I can't forgive them. Well, then you're not going to go to heaven. And you're going to be miserable from that moment on when you say, I refuse to forgive them. Remember, that's the pride issue. God loved you and forgave you. And we want to to make some sins worse than others. And the bottom line is, sin keeps you from God. Whether it's a big sin, small sin, gray sin, black sin, sin is sin. And one of the things that's, that's, that's really been bugging me is, is that people live together and then they want to get married. And I have vowed that if you're living together, well, I, I will marry you, but I ask you to separate and be apart for a period of time to honor the concept of marriage, but then also I will make you put in your vows, God, I'm sorry for the sinful life we have lived. Forgive us for the past and help us to build on the future with you as the source of our life. It, 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 just getting married doesn't solve it. And there has to be a spirit of repentance for the past sins. And it's important that we recognize that God cares for us enough to help us to repent. We cannot allow bitterness to rule in our life. And if we have bitterness towards another brother or sister, we have to stop and say, God, give me the ability to love and give me the ability to forgive. Because God, if I'm holding this root of bitterness, if I'm holding this resentment, I can't receive your blessings that you have for me. I have to have an open heart so that an open heaven can pour out blessings upon me. And so I have to get rid of the root of bitterness. Well, I can't forgive them. You're in big trouble. If you're here today and you've said that statement, I can't forgive them, you're in big trouble. You really need to say, God... Break my heart that I can forgive them. Because God can only work through repentance. You see, can God really use me? Yes, He can, as you are in a spirit of discipline, as you live a life of discipline. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 24 says, Do you not know? That in a race, all run, all runners run, but only one gets the prize. 
Everyone runs in the race, but only one is going to get the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. God wants us to have a crown that lasts forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. We're in this together. And whoever's preaching to you, they have a greater accountability to God than you do. We are to discipline ourselves to serve God. We are to discipline ourselves to be what God wants us to be. A disciple in discipline is all the same root word. And it's the process of letting God be God. We are to say no to temptation. So you have your Bible reading at night and there's this cool TV show on and I'm going to skip my Bible reading and I'm going to watch this show and that show goes later than normal and so now you've slept in in the morning and you don't have time to get caught up for the verses that you didn't read at night because you're already late for work and so you're scrambling out the door and you realize, I didn't have my Bible reading last night. I gave up. And we've got to get be a disciplined life to where we say no to temptation. Because when we yield to temptation, when distractions come and keep us from the Word of God, and we yield to that, we let it happen once, it'll happen again, it'll happen again, it'll happen again, and pretty soon we'll wonder, where's God at? God hasn't moved. If you ever notice in your life, when you felt that God was far away, you were the one doing all the walking. You see, boy, it got awful quiet in here. So... So, a thought. Just take a thought and sow it in your mind. And you will reap an action. How do people do the stupid things they do? How does the bank robber go in and rob a bank? He thinks about it for a long time. He plays it over in his mind for quite some time. He, he picks the day he's going to do it, and he just plays it over and plays it over plays it over. And when he decides he's going to do it, he gets extremely excited, and his adrenaline is pumping, and that's why when they walk into that bank, they can demand that money, and they're invincible. I mean, they can, anything can hit them, and they're going to keep on going because their adrenaline is pumping. And, and he catches people by surprise, and, and they've not been trained to fight back unless they've got a good military marine, and, and then he's got a problem. But he, he's, his adrenaline is going. And you say, how can they do that? Because they have sown a thought, and that thought, reaps an action. But when you sow an action, it reaps a habit. And sow a habit, and it reaps for eternity. And so it's important what we begin to think about because what we think about brings us to an action. An action brings us to a habit, and a habit will bring us eternity. Eternity is forever and forever and forever. And so it's important that we put the Word of God, number one in our life, and keep coming back to it. The life of a disciple is disciplined. I loved as a child watching the Olympics and and I had dreams and aspirations of someday being in the Olympics and of course, you know, that's that's every child's dream I think. But as I as I listened to those commentators, 
they say that anyone that makes the Olympics have gone through all the qualifying trials, and if they're there at any time, any of them can be number one. Because they have spent hours training their bodies, their physique, they are extremely skilled in their field. But there's one that wins. What's the determining factor that causes the one to win the gold medal and the other is not to receive the gold medal? One thing. What is on their mind? The expression, you have to be as cool, cool, cool as a cucumber. You have to be cool as a cucumber. To have the mental process of thinking through the event, thinking through and not allowing anything to distract you and not be distracted by those around you or anything that happens to you in that day preceding the event. Clear objective. Clear objective. Resolve in your mind, I'm going to serve God and I'm going to accomplish great things for God. I can be used of God. I will be used of God. And God is looking for disciplined disciples. The person who wins the prize, the person who wins the gold medal, has disciplined themselves to do the training, but they've also disciplined their mind to think the right thoughts. Well, I don't know if I could ever win. Not a problem. You're not going to. Well, I don't know. The weather's and there's no sunshine today. I'm probably not going to win. You're probably not going to win. Self-speech is the most important thing in your life. Besides the Word of God, self-speech. Well, I'll never be a good Christian. Guess what? You're not gonna, it's not going to happen. Well, I sure wouldn't be like to use of God. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. God, I'm available to be used by you. And Lord, I'm going to put you first, and I'm going to love people like you have loved me, and I'm going to put you first, and and I'm going to discipline my life to read the Word and to pray and be in church and find myself around Christian people so I can be strong to go out and inject into this world a love for people. I'm going to go beyond the four walls of the church. I'm going to go out here, and I'm going to present Jesus to a world that needs Jesus. I'm going to help feed people that, 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 that need a helping hand because I want to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm willing to go through my neighborhood and pick up trash because I want to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just think what would happen if the body of Christ would say, we're picking up trash today. All across America. The entire body of Christ. We're just going to pick up trash today. America would begin to look like Canada. I don't espouse Canada's government, but I sure espouse their cleanliness. As a child, we would vacation in Canada because Ohio wasn't that far away. And when we went up there, we were amazed. If you got out early in the morning, you'd see people sweeping their sidewalks every morning sweeping their sidewalk. I venture to guess that 90% of you have never swept your sidewalk, and the Canadians are sweeping it every morning. Why is that? 
they know if the dirt's on the sidewalk and they sweep it off the sidewalk, they're not going to track it in their house. I had a professional janitor every, every time he'd come work for me. He swept the sidewalk. I noticed that day in and day out. First thing he'd do, grab, go out and sweep the sidewalk. He said, well, I'm going to clean the building. If I get the sidewalk clean, the building's going to stay cleaner longer. God wants us to love people. God wants us to be a disciple. And so we set patterns for our life. Cleaning the sidewalk of your heart. Saying, God, forgive me where I've sinned. God, remove this bitterness from me. God, I don't want to be bitter because I want to be somebody you can use. And so, God, you're going to give me the ability to love. You're going to give me the ability to forgive. You're going to give me the ability to be exactly what you want me to be. And when we determine in our hearts that there's nothing greater in all the world than to be used of God, to bring comfort to someone else because God has brought you comfort, there's no greater feeling, no greater anointing, no greater presence than to be the child of God that's being used by Him to touch somebody else that they in turn can come to the love of God, that they can come understand the fact that God loves them and cares for them and they can be used to touch someone else. It's called multiplication. God is in the role of multiplying. He wants to see the body of Christ multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. We're living in the day of the return of Christ. We're living on the very edge of, of that happening. And it's so important that we begin to realize souls are going to be one through our lives. Have you heard what's going on with Franklin Graham? He's booking services in a foreign country. And a group of people are boycotting his services and going to these convention centers that he's been trying to rent for his revival services, and they're shutting him down because he preaches the full gospel. And there's a group in our society that doesn't want to hear the full gospel. And remember a few months ago, or a couple, for the last couple of years, I've been saying that the revival is not going to happen through big evangelists, but it's going to happen from rank and file disciples of Christ, people loving Jesus. I had no idea that I would actually see this come about, but God is moving mightily amongst people just like you and I. He's beginning to grab a hold of our heartstrings and say, hey, if you're going to touch the world, you better do it now. If you're going to touch the world, you better do it now. You'll say, well, Pastor, I can't go to the world. Yes, you can. You go across the street to your neighbor. Work across the desk at work. At the cash register. In the aisles of Walmart. Pray for people. You don't have to make a scene, get down on your knees. You can have your eyes open and pray for people. Just tell them, I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to bow my head. You don't have to bow your head, but we're going to ask God to help you. It don't have to be long. It just has to be from the heart. Loving people the way Jesus loved people. That's all he's called us to do, is just love people the way he loved people. Have you loved being loved by Jesus? Have you loved being loved by Jesus? And if you have, then it's your turn to love someone else, just like Jesus loved you. Stand your feet with me today. It's been good to have you here. It's been good to have you in service today.